Locked On Browns, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Browns, episode 148B. Like I said, guys, uh, we're going to find a way here. We'll do these two shows together a little bit shorter here than I normally do. But we did the Minnesota Vikings side with Aretha Sign. We are about to do the Philadelphia Eagles uh, side of it. Uh, big game, uh, about 6-15, 6-18, whatever they want to call it for Sunday night. NFC Championship, Minnesota Vikings, Philadelphia Eagles went to the Locked On Brotherhood for this one. Mr. Michael Kist. Mike, I don't know if you're wearing your underdog mask or not, but let me get the feeling, man. How's everybody feeling right now going into Sunday's game? Yeah, everybody's feeling like an underdog, and Doug Peterson mentioned it in his recent press conference saying that it doesn't matter what anybody in the media says, including the people in the room, because those people in the locker room are united, and he's going to war for them, and, and they're, they're definitely feeling that, using that as motivation, so uh, there's a big level of confidence around those guys right now that, you know, everyone's doubting them, and they're going to prove everyone everyone wrong, you know, and there's that phrase in Philly from the fans, which is, you know, no one likes us and we don't care, and the phrase in the locker room is we all we got we all we need and that's really that's really you know what this team is rallied around it's actually it, it, it's been good because i mean and i'm sure you'll be the first to admit it i don't think anybody thought once uh you know carson obviously the knee went down in la nobody thought this team you know you had super bowl aspirations you had nfc championship game aspirations at the time but i don't think anybody thought you guys would be sitting here right now when obviously carson went down in la yeah, absolutely. He was a dynamic player. He was a great player. He brought a lot to that offense. I mean, you, you talk about a second-year quarterback that turned a, a losing team into you know the best record in the NFL. But even when he went down, that team still had to rally and come back down against a playoff team in the Los Angeles Rams and get the job done. And I get the job done. I think that was a really important game for them because they were like, you know, we were down. We didn't have our starting quarterback, and we were able to do the thing against you know against all the odds. And people at that point were saying, oh, they hadn't played anybody yet, and they lost to the Seahawks. And I think after that Seahawks loss, they really kind of recalibrated and refocused and really you know, got mission-minded about the way things were going to be done. But moving on from, from Wentz and the, the game with Foles where he, he lit the Giants up, which the Giants have a terrible defense, so that really doesn't tell you a whole lot. But then you get the two games where we just had a vanilla offense. Things look bad against the Oakland Raiders offensively, even though we got the W. Things look bad against the Dallas Cowboys. And I think at that point, everyone was like, wow, Foles is terrible. Like, there's no way we can we can get this done. It's going to have to be on the back of the defense. And luckily for us, the defense has been excellent. 10 points, 6 points, and 10 points in the last three home games. At home, this defense is a dog. And luckily, we're at home because this offense can do different things at home that they wouldn't be able to do on the road. And I think you're going to see them test uh, Everson Griffin, his Bit, bit of a snap jumper with some hard counts, kind of like they did with Von Miller and things of that nature. But overall, Foles was very efficient in the second in the second half of that game. Came on at the end of the first half, and that's all he needs to be. Don't turn the ball over. Let us out coach the other team. Let us execute. And really, when we were had our, our bad moments in that game, there was the overthrow to Burton. There were a couple other plays, but it was the Ajayi fumble. It was the punt that went awry and banged off uh, Brian Brayman, who's a great special teamer. Those things had nothing to do with Foles. It was just some sloppy execution and some bad luck that put us in some bad spots, and we were still able to uh, to overcome it. So there's a lot of belief in that building, man. And it's good to see because uh, obviously you know Minnesota's going to be here with a simple, uh, you know, obviously a similar situation. Um, you know, if anybody ever said, you know, in you know, first week in October, the NFC Championship, Case Keenum versus Nick Foles, 
Yeah, okay. I mean, you know, you would have been, you know, buying, you know, mega millions tickets for that guy. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting. And, you know, thing for me is, you know, it may be good for Philadelphia in the aspect that there isn't as much tape of Nick Foles as there is for Philadelphia to watch of Case Keenum. Can Nick keep the train rolling? And has Nick, as they've, you know, put more in that he's comfortable with and maybe he's a little more familiar with, you know, can Nick keep this train rolling for yet another stop to get them to Minnesota? Yeah, it just it just can't be all on him because, I mean, out of all starting quarterbacks that started a game this year, Nick Foles has the worst quarterback rating on deep passes than any of them. I think it's like 15.8 or something, 13.8, something terrible like that. Uh, but I think that with those two bad games against the Raiders and the Cowboys, they didn't show a whole lot of what they were going to run in the playoffs. And then they get to the playoffs and you see all these different wrinkles and things they were doing. And it falls more on Doug Peterson to work around the limitations of his quarterback and make things very defined for Nick Foles pre-snap to where he doesn't, because his mental processing ain't all that fast. And if he has to read (laughs) things on the fly, that's where things start to get a little muddy for him. Uh, Another big thing for them was Nick Foles was the least pressured quarterback out of those games this past weekend, only taking seven pressures. Halapuli Vati Vaitai only gave up two pressures, which is big for him, but we scheme things his way a lot as well. So he made it very, very easy, very defined for Foles. And we still put him in some bad sl- uh, in some bad spots. There were eight runs that went for uh, one yard or less to start on first down. So we were put in some bad situations, but Foles just, I mean, easy reads, throw the slant if it's there, throw the dig if it's there. Don't worry about going downfield too much because you're not real great at that. But be efficient. Don't turn the ball over. Let our defense put us in good situations, and we'll be able to get it done. Uh, now, as far as the running game, uh, look, you know, Jai, Jai, Jai was obviously, you know, he was productive last week somewhat, but the fumbling, which is, you know, probably maybe where, you know, it's kind of been an issue with him the whole time. Do you see him or Blunt, either one of these guys, going to have any success Sunday? Uh, yeah, but it's going to have to come in a in a different kind of manner than you would than you would imagine. With Linville Joseph in the middle, he's a problem. And one thing that you saw from the Eagles throughout the years when they played a very dominant defensive tackle like a Pecco, uh, like a Damon Harrison uh, snacks over in uh, New York, what the Eagles would do instead of trying to block them because look, if you're running inside zone outside zone, which the Eagles run a lot, if you're trying to do that and you're trying to come off a double team and get to the next level, Linville Joseph is just going to eat those two blocks for as long as he can. He's very, very good at that. So what the Eagles will do instead, and we run more traps than any other team in the NFL, and when we run traps, we're averaging 6.5 yards a pop. So that's what you're going to see. You don't have to block them. You can dedicate a tight end coming across the formation just to stand there for not even a half a second just to kind of get in his way, and you can be successful with that play. So what I expect to see from them from a running aspect, especially on first down, because when Wentz was in there week 1 through 14, on first down we averaged 5.07 yards per carry. When Foles has been the starter, we averaged 2.11 yards per carry. Against the Falcons, 2.37 yards per carry on first down. We're going to have to run those traps early. We're going to have to run them often, and hopefully that neutralizes the threat of Linville Joseph in the middle, kind of slows him down, gives him, gives him something to think about. So we're going to have to get creative, but we have the pieces in place. We've executed them, and I feel confident that even if it's not as consistent as we would like, we're still going to have the ability to rip off some 10-yard gains, some 15-yard gains. Uh, you're listening to Locked On Browns. We're doing the preview of the NFC Championship game with Mr. Michael Kiss, 
host of Locked On Eagles with his fourth child, Benjamin Solek. Uh, guys, give him a listen. Uh, look, you cover a team, you do podcasts, you write. I mean, the ultimate dream is to get yourself to the glory. I mean, that's where the fun is. You know, that's where it almost doesn't even feel like work. You're doing it because, uh, you know, obviously you're invested, you have something in your heart. So give Locked On Eagles a follow, a listen. The guys, you know, I know they're super geeked. You know, the shows are exciting this week. Uh, you know, it's almost like a kid on Christmas Day type of thing. So by all means, go ahead and check the guys out. Uh, Receiving-wise, uh, who do you like here for the Eagles this week? Uh, I was talking with Arif Hassan. Uh, he thought maybe that, you know, Aguilar would be the guy that was going to worry him a little bit, obviously. Um, Xavier Rhodes, uh, you know, has a long history with Alshon Jeffrey, so that should not be, you know, an infam- uh, you know unfamiliar thing. Uh, receiver-wise, is it Aguilar? Is that going to be one of the biggest keys this week? And obviously they've turned him into kind of a pseudo-running back, put some plays in for him to get the ball in his hands easier, in space type of, type of thing. Yeah, and that actually ties in the running game, too. And we covered this really in-depth on the Locked On Eagles uh, preview that's coming out at, at uh, on Friday. But Nelson Aguilar is kind of the key to this game. So a reef hit it right on the head, not only working from the slot, where he has just as many red zone targets as Zach Ertz with 18, which is also just as many as Julio Jones, by the way, also has four touchdowns and has a very high catch rate in that area. But we also use him on jet sweeps, jet motions, which is going to help us kind of freeze Everson Griffin in the run game, and that's going to help the run game as well. But yeah, I would say Nelson Aguilar, if we can get him matched up with Mackenzie Alexander, uh, Terrence Newman is solid. You know, he's the old war vet there. Uh, He's where he is supposed to be all the time. He really doesn't make mistakes. Uh, I think Aguilar can still win with some shiftiness, and we can scheme up some things for him as well. I think uh, my bold my bold prediction for this game is Nelson Aguilar has two touchdowns for me, and with the wild card being Trey Burton, if we can get him matched up in a in twelve personnel, one one running back, two tight ends, and then we split him out and spread him out with a three by one, and we catch Minnesota in base, and we go with a fast tempo to keep them on the field. I think that's another matchup we can exploit as well. Yeah, and that's one thing Arif brought up because he said the question was going to be if Harrison Smith has to focus on Zach Ertz. You know, you're going to have to worry a little bit about what's going to be there over the top. So, and, you know, and Aguilar, look, here's a guy, you know, you absolutely have to feel for. You know, first two years were rough. Uh, I remember it was St. Patrick's Day when he wasn't even, you know, St. Patrick's Day of the year was being drafted. I pegged him to the Eagles, took a lot of crap for it. Me too, um, yeah. It, <laughs> it, it, yep, it's nice to see that, you know, it, it's all starting to come around for him. I'm going to flip it over the other side of the ball here now. Uh, you know, Case Keenan has obviously done a really good job. And, you know, here's basically, I mean, he's not a no-name guy. He's a journeyman guy. Came into a good situation. But, you know, and look, you know, here's the guy that's not supposed to be the quarterback. The running backs are not supposed to be the running back. Obviously, Dalvin Cook was supposed to be that guy. Went down early. Uh, What kind of makes you a little bit nervous about Case Keenum is almost afraid to ask somebody about the defensive side what makes you nervous about Case Keenum as opposed (laughs) to what makes you nervous about putting Case Keenum out there. Uh, Keenum is an interesting case, and if I know Arif, then Arif may have used the word liability with Keenum, and I kind of agree with him as well, and I'll get to that in a second, but the thing that Keenum does well, he is a, I believe he's a top five pressured quarterback percentage-wise in the NFL. What makes Keenum thrive in those situations is he is second in avoiding sacks when he's pressured. So the Eagles, not only do they have to get home, they also have to secure the tackle as well and stop him from getting out of the pocket in those situations where the play may start to break down a little bit and Keenum can improvise. Where I think that he's more of a liability is that, I mean, honestly, look back to the Saints game. If that 61-yard pass doesn't happen to Stephon Diggs, 
and Marcus Williams doesn't miss that tackle. The narrative shifts wildly back to the end of the third quarter interception that Marcus Williams had. So both of those narratives from Marcus Williams and Case Keenum shift pretty, pretty hard. And Keenum can get trapped and baited into some bad throws. They've designed the offense to where he can he can make these short throws and everything's kind of defined for him in, in that way. Uh, but he's got that wild card in him that I think that the Eagles may be able to get an interception or two out of him, which excites me. It doesn't scare me. It excites me. It's kind of funny, actually, because, you know, one kind of went from one was GOAT, one was the hero, to then the other one walked out the GOAT, the other one walked out the ultimate hero. Mm. Uh, the running backs. Um, it's going to be interesting, and I mentioned this to Arif, um, between McKinnon and between Murray, obviously, you know, both had, had done well and showed well during this year, but I kind of view it as last week, uh, whereas Murray might play the Freeman role, McKinnon is maybe going to play the Tevin Coleman role. And Atlanta, looks. congratulations, you brought Sarkeesian back. I don't know why. <laughs> um, he went away from what was working. Tevin Coleman, essentially 10 carries, 80 yards. Uh, I think Jet McKinnon, he's going to be he's going to be kind of a wild card and something's going to be interesting here that you guys are going to have a, I'm not going to say a hard time, but it's going to be a guy that's got to be a staple to make sure that you can control him and what he brings. Yeah, and that's a very good point because neither of them averages more than four yards per carry on the ground. Latavius Murray isn't a very good running back. I'll just I'll just say that I've watched a lot of him. <laughs> I, I, I watched him in the summer. He's his vision is terrible. Uh, he runs really soft for his size, and he doesn't approach the line with any kind of aggressiveness. He doesn't worry me whatsoever. It's McKinnon that worries me, and the reason that it worries me is because he also has 51 catches on the year, and I think you're going to see a lot of him in this game. If it's not downfield for them, if Thielen or Diggs are not open immediately and the pressure is getting there, you're going to see McKinnon. McKinnon is shifty. He can make guys miss and he can extend drives. So that's what worries me about McKinnon. I, I, I think that's that's something that the Eagles linebackers have been uh, pretty good at this year. Uh, Nigel Bradham covered Chris Thompson earlier in the year, and he did very, very well against him. And you could say that Chris Thompson has a similar skill set as McKinnon, where they're not that tackle-to-tackle runner, but they can they can beat you up in the pass game. They can make some big plays. So I'm pretty confident that the Eagles will still be able to lock him down. Uh, but at the same time, Keenum's ability to maneuver around the pocket, avoid sacks, and then dump it off and have a guy who can make people miss is, is definitely a concern. Okay, now, as far as, you know, pass defense, and, and this is, you know, obviously, you know, Minnesota, obviously, like you guys, you know, have a tight end that can be a problem. You have, obviously, some wide receivers that can be a problem. Who, for you, is the biggest concern? Is it Diggs? Is it Thielen? Uh, you know, obviously, Diggs brings maybe a little bit more, you know, run after a catch ability. Thielen, you know, absolutely runs fantastic routes. I mean, Lattimore committed two penalties on one play. Thielen still made the play. Which one of you, which one of the two gives you a little bit more, you know, hesitation and pause and, I mean, it's a tough thing. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, choosing your own poison. But which one would you choose that I've got to take away? Yeah, and they're not going to travel Darby. They really don't travel their cornerback with a wide receiver. So he may, they may get some favorable matchups with Diggs on Mills, uh, with Thielen on Patrick Robinson. I would say it's Thielen. I love both of them. I think that duo is one of my favorite wide receiver duos in the NFL right because now. Because there's, I mean, there was no hype to them, and the, and the way right. they got there, and the way they got to it, and you know, and looking, it was all about look, we'll run routes. I mean, granted, nobody ever gave us any credit, but we'll do what needs <laughs> to be done. And you know, the wide receiver and me, that's what it's about, man. Put in the footwork, put in the routes, but God. 
Yeah, they're extremely nuanced wide receivers. And I studied Thielen and Diggs a lot too. I'm big, I'm big fans. But with Thielen, uh, my my issue with him is okay, so he's second in the league in receptions on third down. He's second in yards and he's second in third down conversions as well, uh, when he gets catches there. He's a he's an excellent nuanced route runner. He can do it short, he can do it deep. And I think the advantage against Patrick Robinson is more defined for me than it is for the other cornerbacks. I think I think Thielen's a top five slot receiver in the NFL, and you can do it a lot with him with, with alignment too. If you get him out on Mills, that's an advantage for Thielen. So if if they're able to block up that pass rush and give Thielen, you know, a five step drop to get open. I think he can get open pretty well against these cornerbacks, and I think he can hurt you with his nuance and his route running because the Eagles have been very susceptible to double moves throughout the season. You saw it against the Giants. It hurt him really bad. You saw him against uh, the Raiders where Amari Cooper had that sluggo as well. They were able to uh, – the one sluggo I saw, they tried to run on them with Julio Jones. Darby did a good job staying on top of it, but I think that had more to do with the play call than anything. Um, but, yeah, that, that's what worries me. The nuanced route running and being able to beat you vertically with some, with some double moves definitely concerns me. And, and their, their efficiency on third down as well with, with Thielen is fantastic. All right. Anything you want to bring up defensively, whether it's a matchup on the defensive line versus the offensive line, is there somebody in your gut you think you know might have a sneaky good day that nobody's talking about? Fletcher Cox is going to bully around the middle of that line, and Brandon well, Graham is going to go to town on the outside. That's that's not even a bold prediction. That's just a reality, and the Vikings are going to have to live with it and scheme around it. <laughs> oh, Michael's fired up. Um, obviously, Mike, uh, you know, with a lot on, you know, my bookie has been such a good partner throughout the season. MyBookie.ag, you play, you win, you get paid. Michael, this is where you're going to throw everything Eagles aside. Pretend you have no invested rooting interest here. I believe the line, the line at this point, um, obviously the underdog masks are still around. Um, Michael Kist, football writer, you know, obviously. <laughs> Who do you like if you're a betting man here? You take all your heart out of it. Who do you like? I think that if I'm a betting man, I say that the Eagles will cover. I think this is a short game. Uh, the Vikings are second in the league in time of possession. The Eagles run seven less plays per game uh, with Foles as quarterback. I think there's going to be a lot of running this game. It's going to be a field position battle. So, number one, I'm definitely taking the under. And I took the under in the Falcons-Eagles game, and I, I was very comfortable with that and won by a very, very comfortable margin. So, number one, take the under as a better. Uh, number two, take the Eagles to cover as a better as well. It will be a close game. The Vikings don't blow people out, and I think that's not being talked about enough. Number two, excuse me, number three, the Vikings away to home splits are not nearly, they, they aren't nearly the dominant defense. The third down conversions for their defense is still historic. However, they give up 6.5 more points on the road than they do at home. They give up 2.9 yards per carry at home. They give up 4.3 yards per carry on the road. I'm taking the Eagles for <clears throat> I'm taking the Eagles 14 to 13 close game. And I think they eke it out. Uh, well, that's, I mean, for the, those of us on the East coast, that'd be fabulous. I'll be in bed by 10, Mike. <laughs> um, I, I'm obviously going to have to stick with the same prediction. See what I like here. And maybe you're going to hate me, Mike. Uh, what I like here for Minnesota is I like the fact that they get to get out of Minnesota right now. Um, obviously the, the hub and the, the, the Everything's going on. They know the Super Bowl is going to be held, and this is where these guys live. They're, I mean, they're not blind. Right. They're not deaf. So maybe getting to take the party on the road and, you know, a refuse the term, the cabin fever. 
Um, it's rare as an NFL player you're home for a month straight, and that's where these guys kind of are at. Um, I do think it's a favorable fact, and it honestly it wouldn't hurt Minnesota if the weather was going to be crappy Sunday night. Right. I mean, yeah. granted they play inside, but it's you know you're talking kickoffs going to be 41, 42. We're going to get to mid 30s at worst. So weather is 110 percent off the board either way you slice it. Uh, I, I think I do like the fact that Case Keenum has gotten to play more games. So maybe the fact that if you need to adjust a little bit offensively, I think you can do that because Case is familiar. You know, obviously over 3,500 yards passing, nothing should rattle him from that respect. Mm. So laying the three, and if we're going to go basically off the point spread, if you're laying three, you just basically, whoever you think is going to win, obviously that's the team you're going to take. So I do think Minnesota, I do think, and this is – Obviously, it was a big win for you guys last week, but the way they won last week, you know, the the miracle ending, the miracle finish, you kind of think that maybe that carries over. So, Eagles fans, I'm sorry. And look, but here's Eagles fans, I'll do this. I admit my loss on Carson Wentz. I had it blocked so many people over it because it got (laughs) to the end. Look, I admit the yell on Carson Wentz, guys. I do. So, you know what? Go ahead and we'll start it all up again Monday if the Eagles win. But for me, I, I think Minnesota, but I do agree. Low scoring, you know, 14-13. Yeah. But nobody wants that. That's a little ugly. Let's go 2017. That's something a little higher. There so you that's go. my pick for you know, mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Michael, I know you gotta say something, so go right ahead and do it. Here here's the thing. After the immaculate reception, which is the only other playoff moment in the his, you know, football history walk off type deal, the Steelers still won the ne- or the Steelers still lost to the Dolphins the next week. I mean, it, it put them over the Raiders' hump and really ignited their franchise, but they still had that letdown next week. I'm expecting the same from the Vikings. Uh, I'm sure I repicked the Vikings as well. Like I said, no one likes us, and we don't care. <laughs> well, I mean, come on. I, I'll be honest with you. I didn't expect either one of you guys to just say, you know what? No I one we're did. Yeah. Lose. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but this is one thing I did tell Arif, and, you know, I'm actually going to be recording with Mark here in a little bit. Look, uh, I'm just glad we got three new girls at the dance. Yeah. You know, for me, you know, you're covering the Browns. Obviously, you're a Jet fan at heart. You get to, if your team's not in it, you want to see something different. Let's see some fresh blood. And the fact that there's nine Florida State Seminoles playing Sunday, I got to love that. So that's good for me. <laughs> um, and now you guys got my guy, Sidney Jones. Yeah. It, it's going to be a fun bunch of games on Sunday. And it's going to be funny because I want to see how these announcers handle it because these guys get so used to just say Pittsburgh Steelers and all the same teams. I hope these guys do their homework and they're ready to go and they give us good games and they give us good broadcasts. Uh, Mike, for you personally, look, I hope, you know, for all these, I, you know, whatever team it is, I, whoever it is, I hope you guys win. It makes for great shows. It makes for great content. Mm. That's what you want. Uh, you know, for me, I've been on draft content over here since October, which is fantastic. <laughs> I love the draft. But uh, yeah, I'll tell you right too. now, to, to be able to cover you know, some playoff games and talk about that stuff, that'd be fantastic. Uh, I appreciate your time here. You know, all the best to you. It's going to be, you know, win or lose, you're going to be still be working. Next week's a busy week for you. Uh, so, Mike, uh, you, Ben, keep pumping them out. Uh, you know, I don't know how Monday's show will work for you guys if it doesn't go your way. Um, champagne bottles. I mean, but here the corks hitting the ceiling. If it does work out for you, well. But either way, man, I wish you all the best, and I appreciate you taking the time here this evening. Thanks for having me on, Jeff. It was a pleasure. Uh, always the best, and uh, we got a whole full off season to uh, fill. So we'll have some fun, guys. All right, Michael Kiss, Locked On Browns, episode one forty eight B. Like I said, NFC Championship game preview. 
uh, look, Browns fans, this is where we're hoping to get to. And you see the you hear the excitement in the guys who are that close to it from the teams they cover. All the best. Uh, let's go Browns. And you know, we've got more coming for you guys. And, you know, talk to you soon. Bye.